This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Great to be with you on another edition of News and Views. Today, we've got an action-packed episode for you. We have some news about what's happening in the industry, especially here in North America over the upcoming American Public Transportation Association Expo. We'll dig into what I'll be doing and what Transit Unplugged will be doing there. And we have a great uh, newsmaker segment. We're going to be talking about autonomous vehicles and what's happening right now in technology, uh, how they're being used across uh, the industry and what the future looks like for autonomous vehicles. We haven't heard a lot about them during COVID. And I wanted to have on two guests who are working in that area, Katrina Heineken and WC Peel uh, of TransDev, uh, a global contracting company that does autonomous vehicles for Waymo, et cetera. And Katrina is the Chief Operating Officer of TransDev Alternative Services. WC is a Senior Vice President of Business Development there and a good friend of mine. And they, uh, uh, both of them long-term experts in the industry. We'll be talking about what's going on with autonomous vehicles in the latter part of this podcast. But at first, we wanna talk about what's happening as I mentioned, at this year's American Public Transportation Association Triannual Expo. The whole event was pushed off by a year due to COVID, but now it is going to be an in-person event where thousands of people are expected to a sold-out expo uh, on the expo floor at the Orlando, Florida Convention Center, and it'll be um, November 7th through the um, 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th down there in Orlando. I'm looking forward to being there, and Transit Unplugged will be there in a big way this year, celebrating our fourth anniversary. Uh, the first show was aired in November four years ago, and we're excited about all the things that have happened since then. The program has actually won an APTO award for uh, the AdWheel Awards and has won lots of accolades around the world. It's now heard in 100 countries, and we'll be celebrating our fourth anniversary uh, at this event and uh, with some events that you can join us at, and I want to tell you about those today. On Tuesday, November 9th, will be the big anniversary celebration for Transit Unplugged. And uh, we're going to be doing two big events that day. And I want to invite you, our listeners, to attend both of them. Uh, so on Tuesday, we are going to be doing a live CEO roundtable, a Transit Unplugged live table, uh, live roundtable. We've done this before. We did it uh, four years ago. I'll actually share a video of that on LinkedIn this week. So you can see what it was like four years ago. And we did it in New York. We've also done these at UITP conferences and many other uh, shows and online over the last few years. But we're going to do a live in-person one with all women leaders, five of the most powerful women in transit in America. That'll be held on Tuesday, November 9th at 1130 a.m. for one hour in Hall A in the West Building on Level 2 at booth number 353, which is the Trapeze Vontis booth. We got an area set aside for this there. Uh, we're gonna be having five women. I'm excited to announce the names of the CEOs on today's podcast that'll be joining us. We're very excited to have live all-female CEO panel with Nadine Lee, the new CEO of Dallas Dart. Leslie Richards, the CEO of SEPTA, the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority in Philadelphia, a former guest on this program. Lauren Skyver, our good friend, CEO of Sunline Transit, who has been one of the leaders in the, in the industry for hydrogen fuel. MJ Maynard, CEO of the RTC in Las Vegas. I just visited her a couple of weeks ago in Las Vegas, and she's going to be joining us on the panel. And Bakara Sanderson-Malden, my good friend who is chief of staff at the Memphis Area Transportation Authority, former CEO in Savannah and other places. We're excited to have all five of these ladies on this live CEO panel. We'll be asking them about their lives and careers, their current responsibilities and projects, and what the future looks like at their agency and for our industry. Plus, a look inside their everyday work life and advice for the next generation of women leaders in the industry. 
This live CEO roundtable will be recorded for the podcast. If you're not able to join us in person, we'll also be filming it for an upcoming episode of our brand new Transit Unplugged TV show. That's right. Transit Unplugged is going TV. Very excited about this. Something I wanted to do since before COVID, but we couldn't travel during COVID. And so we had to kind of put it on the shelf, but now it's back off. I've already recorded two episodes of the TV show. It'll be a 30-minute program once a month coming your way. Uh, and we'll be um, talking about that and sharing more about that at the Expo. One other thing we'll be doing right then at this time, uh, right before 1130, probably around 1120 a.m. on that day, is we'll be unveiling a brand new Transit Unplugged logo, brand new graphics, and unveiling our brand new Transit Unplugged website, which you will love. It's a Netflix-style website. Uh, It's going to have lots of new tools and information on it. This will all be for our fifth season of Transit Unplugged. Uh, We're bringing on some new enhancements uh, for everything we're doing. Then later on that afternoon at three o'clock, we'll be having a celebration of Transit Unplugged, an anniversary celebration. Join me and many of our previous podcast guests, CEOs from around the industry for cocktails and conversation, wine and beer to celebrate this exciting milestone anniversary. It's a free party for all of our friends and guests, again, at the Trapeze booth at the same location that the uh, Women's CEO Roundtable will be at, which is in Hall A in the West Building of the Convention Center on Level 2 at the Trapeze Vontis booth number 353. We'll be having a great celebration there, and we're going to reveal to you uh, a promo, a sizzler reel for our brand new Transit Unplugged TV. As I mentioned, I've been to Nashville and Las Vegas and filmed uh, our first two episodes. Our third episode will be what we filmed there at the expo. So we'll be having the Women uh, CEO Roundtable and also other interviews with folks from the trade show floor, et cetera, talking about transit, talking about transit unplugged. So we're very excited about uh, this brand new extension and we'll be airing a promo reel for you at three o'clock at our booth there that day on Tuesday. Hey, listen, also, if you have connections in your local cable access channel at your city and you can help us get this promotional TV show, which promotes transit in America and around the world. If you can get that, if you can help us get it on your local cable access channel, whether you're in London, Sydney, Australia, you know, Sweden, or somewhere in America and Canada, let us know. Email us at info at transitunplugged.com. We'd like to have this program distributed as widely as possible. We're going to create a brand new YouTube channel where we'll be distributing it. We'll have our own Transit Unplugged brand new website I mentioned, a Netflix-style website where we'll be distributing it as well, as well as the local cities of Nashville and Las Vegas, both of those transit agencies have committed to have it on their local access channels. But we want to get this on channels all over the country uh, and all over the world. So email us if you have some connections or can help us get on your local cable access channel or a, or a broadcast network if you have uh, connections there. That would be awesome. So those are the celebration events that we're going to be doing when it comes to Transit Unplugged. You could take a look at our trapezegroup.com website if you uh, weren't able to write that down. We'll have all that there. Plus, I've posted it on my own LinkedIn page. We also have a couple other events I'd like you to know about that I'll be participating in. If you'd like to follow me around at various events, we're going to be doing part of my role in the industry is I am executive director of a group called the North American Transit Alliance. We recently commissioned a study with UITP, which is the global uh, kind of global APTA group around the world. They are the um, 
Public Transportation Union globally, and they just did a study called Contracting in Public Transportation. We had a webinar, which was very successful uh, just this last week with speakers from all over the world on it, talking about how they contract out public transportation at their agency and in their countries in places like Sweden and in London. But we're going to be doing a um, a presentation there at the American Public Transportation Expo floor, at the APTA Expo floor in one of their learning zones uh, on Monday. And that'll be from 2.50 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. My good friend, Doran Barnes, former APTA chair and CEO of Foothills Transit, will join me and the director of strategy, senior director of strategy, uh, UITP, Sylvain Hone, who will be with us on stage. And we'll be, I'll be interviewing them and talking to them about the study contracting and about various models in Europe, uh, comparing and contrasting those here in the United States and looking at best practices for contracting. If it's something that interests you, I'd love to invite you to join us there. And then also on Monday at the Trapeze Vontas booth, I'll be interviewing the two new CE, the two new general managers of Trapeze and Vontas. Trapeze Group's general manager is Teresa Domingo, and Vontas's general manager is Peter Axel. And I'll be interviewing them at 11 a.m. with Teresa and 12 p.m. with Peter at our booth. And you'll get to hear about their careers or professional journeys and their individual company's direction, where they're going uh, and the product lines and where the, where the products are going. And you'll get a chance to ask them questions if you'd like to. That'll be a great event for one and all there on Monday. So uh, I'll also be some at the TripSpark booth. One of the other companies I enjoy working with will be demonstrating microtransit and infotainment solutions during the convention. So there's a lot happening coming up uh, this uh, second week of November. I'm excited to be with you all in person uh, and meet you there. Hopefully you can join us for our fourth anniversary celebration cocktail party at three o'clock and also be part of this historic event with these five women CEOs, Nadine Lee from Dallas Dart, Leslie Richards, CEO of SEPTA, Lauren Skyver, CEO of Sunline Transit, MJ Maynard, CEO of the Regional Transportation Commission of Southern Nevada in Las Vegas, and Bakara Sanderson-Malden, Chief of Staff of MATA Transit in Memphis, former CEO. It's going to be a great panel. I think you'll really enjoy it. If you enjoyed our CEO roundtable with the women of Australia, I know you'll enjoy this uh, as well in person, live, and be able to see these CEOs upstage, up on stage with the lights and the cameras and everything like that. Ought to be a blast. Hey, thanks for being with us every week as we bring you new stories about public transportation. And today, stand by for a great interview discussing uh, autonomous vehicles and microtransit and public transportation and mobility and their role in the public transportation sphere going forward. This is Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. Great to be with you on another episode of News and Views. And today, we're excited to have with us two great newsmakers who are operating autonomous vehicles around the world, millions of miles a year. And, you know, since we've entered into the COVID uh, pandemic, it seems like autonomous vehicles have moved off the front page of transit. But I want to reintroduce it the topic today, because they have been operating kind of behind the scenes. I know Uber kind of got out of things during the pandemic, et cetera, and there's been a lot of movement in the industry. Um, those of you who have listened to our podcast now for these past four years will recall that we went on site to Switzerland, New Houses, Switzerland. I was able to visit there where the first autonomous vehicles operating in regular route, fixed route transportation were operated there in the town. And, and then we went to Las Vegas where they kicked it off, MJ Maynard and the folks there a few years ago. And so, but it's been operating behind the scenes, maybe not in the headlines, but it's been operating. I've got two of the folks here that are operating and have been all during COVID. And that's my good friend, Katrina Heidegger. Kat, who is Chief Operating Officer of TransDev Alternative Services. Kat, thanks so much for being a guest with us today. Thank you. I'm honored. 
And my uh, longtime good friend, we used to work together at the same company a long time ago, W.C. Peel, Senior Vice President of Business Development Transdev. W.C., thanks also for being a guest. Yeah, thanks for having me, Paul. It's great to be here. So let's talk about, uh, Katrina, your role as COO of Transdev Alternative Services. A lot of what you do involves autonomous vehicles, right? Absolutely. The division of Transdev called TAS, or Transdev Alternative Services, that I oversee, uh, our main client actually is a division of Alphabet or Google called Waymo. You may have heard of them. So we have a part, we've been in partnership with Waymo for gosh, about two and a half years now with some, you know, tremendous growth. And really it's, uh, it's just been fascinating to actually be a part of making new public transit history, honestly. Well, a lot of what transit has changed into over the last several years, I mean, Nat Ford, a former chair of APTA, I think really led us into what I would call the new mobility era. And uh, I don't want to say if you can't beat them, join them, but something like that happened along the way, in my opinion, where transit agencies went from being just the providers of transit and mobility to the aggregators of mobility services in a city. So that might involve, you know, TNCs or this Waymo type vehicles or uh, scooters and bikes and all the other things. So what is Waymo? I mean, what are they doing? What are you guys just in general doing? Waymo uh, is, you know, much like you would think of an Uber or Lyft. They are uh, uh, one of the components that they offer is a ride hail service only with autonomous vehicles. That We also partner with Waymo to provide tractor trailer 18 wheeler autonomous vehicles that they're operating and you know long distances across the country we've participated in delivery pilot projects both for commercial you know deliveries and uh, deliveries for some nonprofits particularly during covid it was a really useful community service to utilize the autonomous vehicles so a lot, a little bit of everything. So is is it in, in the cities where you're operating, is it kind of like an Uber where there's an app and people can order a vehicle, and it, but it comes with no driver or is there somebody still in the vehicle now? Uh, it depends. Uh, it, right now, um, particularly during COVID, Waymo decided to do uh, what they call the rider only service. So just for people's comfort level. Uh, in fact, I would I would invite any of your listeners to uh, come to the Phoenix area. If you're in the service area, you simply download the app just as if you would an Uber or Lyft and hail a vehicle. The vehicle that picks you up will be rider only, so there'll be absolutely nobody in the vehicle. Wow. Uh, it's it's very safe. You know, you you have to have to have your mask on or or the, the door won't open. So you will get in and take a ride, and at first, uh, it will it will seem <laughs> it will seem a little crazy to to get in, and, and the, the vehicle starts moving, the the steering wheel's turning, and nobody's in it. But I promise you, by the end of your ride, you you will have forgotten. Um, it's it's a smooth ride. You'll be you'll all of a sudden be doing what you do and looking at your phone, and yeah, yeah it's it's, uh, it's a great experience. Maybe on the second ride, you'll be doing that. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, WC, I would say that during this era of COVID, I mean, you've been super involved with many, many city transit systems during COVID. To me, because of the people going toward kind of a low touch environment, 
this actually was a perfect time for autonomous vehicles to actually come to the forefront. Yeah, it really was. And, and we've actually worked with quite a few of our client partners to do just that. There was uh, the ability to help deliver food and, and uh, goods and, and those kind of things to people. And then they felt safer because, well, it's an autonomous vehicle. There's not that person-to-person contact that folks were worried about. So we kind of were able to do two things. One, continue to develop the technology and, and, and provide those services and get all the data that comes with doing that, but also help people see the benefit that, uh, that could be brought in such a sensitive situation by using an autonomous vehicle. Many of our uh, partner transit agencies did just that. A lot of these uh, private contractor companies like Transdev, others, National Express, First Transit, all these you know, groups, they, a lot of them are into this field now, right? I mean, this is becoming part of the portfolio of private companies where they can come into a city and you're operating in a lot of cities. Like how many cities are you guys operating in? Uh, well, we're actually in more than 100 cities around the globe in 18 wow. countries doing this kind of service. And I think also what's really neat, Paul, is it's come a long way from just that initial pilot, right? That back in you know 2016-ish, everybody was getting small grants for little protected campuses, small, slow, uh, slow moving service, nobody on board, lots of people watching and taking data. But Nobody on board to now vehicles in mixed traffic, completely driverless vehicles, all different sizes, shapes uh, of the vehicles that are out there in all different kinds of environments. We've come a long way from those campuses that were the test tubes, if you will, for AV to now having to be able, we're, we're able to deal with things now with the Thomas vehicles. The whole industry is with different kinds of weather, extreme weather, not just the perfect sunshiny street, right? We yeah. can deal with rain and snow and the garbage bag that moves across in front of the camera and mixed traffic, pedestrian areas. We're, we're seeing the opportunity to develop those kind of services. And then it becomes more useful, right? It's not just the testing, right. but it's now useful to connect different transit services together. First mile, last mile between train stations and bus stations or live, work, play uh, complexes. There's uh, there's so much activity happening. I think some of it behind the scenes, some of it out front. Our friends in, at Connecticut Transit, CT Transit, just announced they were doing these big 40-foot buses, some of the first, I think, in America that they'll be operating. But they'll be operating, I think, on a separate kind of divided lane track versus what you're talking about where the technology, like I was just down in March, uh, actually at Jacksonville Transit, where Nat Ford is the CEO, and he's got a test and learn facility there that's phenomenal, where they're testing all these different types of manufactured uh, manufacturers' vehicles and giving feedback back to the OEMs on how to improve and to operate in these environments. And I actually got to ride on one through the test track with rain coming down on us to show how it would work and all that kind of stuff. So, so I've been personally in these, and to me, it, it is a um, you could see the need for them. However, there is kind of the counterbalance, right? So some people are concerned, Katrina, that this new technology could take jobs away, right? Or replace vital positions that people work in with, with this. What, what's your take on that? Actually, uh, I tell you, we've had quite the opposite experience. We're creating new jobs with, with new training and promotional opportunities, really in different aspects uh, along the way that makes it a, an actual career path. Let me give you an example. So like in one of our one of our autonomous vehicle divisions that we operate in the West, we've experienced a lot of growth. And just in the last 12 months, for example, we've been able to offer a promotional path for 30% of our employees. So you may have started as a safety driver, but 30% of the workforce has been able to move up into a different classification. So as we're learning more about 
you know, the technology and, and what types of positions to offer, we're, we're able to show people a real career path in, in this field. To add to that too, Paul, one of the things that, you know, you and I have worked together for many years and we've all talked about how there's that generational gap of people who are going to come in backfill behind all of us in the transit world as we move upwards and onwards and eventually to retire. And this, the autonomous space is attracting millennials. It's attracting the younger group. And then they come in, they're excited about this part of what we do. And then you can open up their eyes to the other transit careers that are out there too. So it's kind of a way to also start filling that gap we've all been worried about for the last several years. How are we going to repopulate that whole group of people that's going to move transportation forward? This is an avenue to do so. Kat, there are, there are various levels of autonomy, right, that vehicles are operating on. You know, does autonomous, like you said, in, in, in Phoenix means perhaps no driver behind the wheels, fully operated. People hear about, you know, that their their Tesla vehicles they're buying from Elon Musk, you know, have the ability to do that. They can let go of the steering wheel. But my son was just telling me tonight, you still got to touch the steering wheel every so many minutes or something like that for some of these safety features to show that you're still awake, maybe. So tell me some about that, you know, the safety driver or the, what's the whole deal on autonomy right now? And, and how long before we, you know, we see this really take off, you know, not just in, passenger vehicles, but, you know, the way I've been predicting for five years is I can see trains of tractor trailers with maybe no driver, maybe somebody sitting at a trailer in Las Vegas, like, you know, like um, controlling them from there or or watching over them to make sure something needs to be adjusted. Give us kind of the lay of the land on that. I'm sure you're you're probably familiar or have heard of the, uh, there's a classification of L1 to, to L5, L1 basically being very little autonomy, just like cruise control or whatever. Okay. L5 being the car can, needs no human, you know, supervision. But an, an easy way maybe to kind of think of it like L2. L2 is is hands off, but eyes on. So you can take your hands off the wheel, but you better keep your eyes on the road. And many of our cars, I think, ha- are starting to have those features. L3 is hands off and and eyes can be off of the road, but there's still a driver there to take over if necessary. Many of the, the safety operators that we have now are in this L3 category. L4 is hands off and eyes off, but it's still like in a geofenced area. So it's it's still in somewhat of a controlled environment. Uh, the vehicles that we mentioned, the rider only vehicles in the Phoenix area are L4. And then uh, L5 is yet to come, but uh, it's, you know, I think it's a lot closer than we think. But the data that we're collecting is priceless. I mean, it's just knowing, and I think that will the data will serve all aspects of public transit to really to be able to know more about our environment. For example, like seeing that that pedestrian is about to cross the street, but the but the car technology knows oh that the person is looking down at their phone and predicts you know what that that pedestrian may do next or construction worker um, or whatnot. So it's it's really quite fascinating how far we've come, but yet you know there's there's little things that will happen. Like, uh, is that a fire hydrant that the car sees or is it a small child or a plastic bag that that blows across the windshield? Um, All of those things that we're teaching the cars to to recognize on their own. Yeah, let's talk about that, that technology. I mean, where do you see it going? I mean, obviously, 
one of the big benefits of autonomous technology is the safety aspects, right? Absolutely. And again, I think it's, I don't know, I've, I was in public transit and, and buses and trains and paratransit most of my career. And, and we all get caught up in the day-to-day operation as we should. And, and, and we collect so much data, but really having the opportunity to just dig into that data to, again, understand um, driver fatigue issues. Um, you know, one of the things that we're faced with is how do we keep our safety drivers, for example, really still feeling engaged because the the more the technology and the software comes along, the less the safety driver has to do. Um, you know, and study shows when when an employee doesn't feel engaged or feel like they're participating in the 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 function that they they tend to tune out a little. All of this is just is again very transformative information that we can use across all modes of transit. WC, what else do you have to say about some of this technology and where it's going from your perspective? Yeah, sure. So the 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 information sharing is going in both directions, right? So some of the things that are coming and being developed in the autonomous space is now coming back to regular transit for us. If you think about the changes that have happened even in your own personal vehicle, as every year's models come out for personal vehicles, that same kind of technology, that sensing technology that someone's in the lane next to you or the lane guidance or the following distance uh, between you and the car in front of you or the where it stops for you if you're not paying attention or all of that is coming from some of this space. If you, if you take a look at all of the different vehicle manufacturers and their investment into this technology, it's crossing back over into public transit uh, and is affecting all of the different safety systems. There's evolutions every year in those kind of safety systems that we put on our public transit buses and the paratransit buses and is coming back to the industry from the work that's being done with the autonomous vehicles. It's incredible. And Katrina, based on your experience in many cities across the country, how long before you, you know, everybody kept trying to project, you know, when will autonomous vehicles really be a thing in most cities? And we're not there yet, obviously. Do you have a timeline in your mind about when this will, you know, when we can, when you're going to be looking over next to you and you'll see somebody in the back seat and nobody in the front seat, it'll be a regular occurrence, that kind of a thing. Oh, gosh, I I don't think I would be the best person to, to predict uh, exactly how long it's going to be. But I mean, five uh, to 10 I, years, you think? Oh, I do think. I really do think. Yes. Uh, I mean, you're seeing it today. You can, again, you can drive down Chandler Boulevard and you'll look over and see a Waymo vehicle with no driver in it. Yes, it's, you know, I, I don't think we should worry so much right now about, you know, sort of the the human capital to to vehicle ratio, because yes, there's there's no one in the vehicle, but the same as in a bus or Yes, there's one driver that drives a bus that sits in the seat, but there's a whole staff or a background infrastructure that's needed. There's supervisors, there's, you know, uh, dispatchers, um, there's rider support, customer service. And, and and that's the same same way with autonomous technology, you know? Yep. Uh, WC, one of the things that I've heard, you know, as kind of a counterbalance to autonomous vehicles is, you know, not only the taking the jobs, but there's other negatives uh, that people are throwing at it. Uh, but I don't think anybody's saying that AVs are the total solution, right? It's just part of it, right? Correct. It's kind of like if you think of the analogy that elevators used to have someone in them that used to take you up and down the building, right? right that's true. 
<laughs> to nobody riding the elevator with us. It's the same kind of concept. Those jobs then became other skilled jobs. And and what you know, Kat's been talking about is we're we're seeing new opportunities be created out of this uh, type of business and out of the autonomous vehicle space. But it's also it's not a total solution. It fits in like what our goal is, what we really try to do and, and we see in the industry is fitting autonomous vehicles in with the overall public transportation picture. Right. So um, we have uh, there's a client we've been working with on the West Coast that is they, they really needed to find a way to get people from the BART train station to the downtown work area to back where people are living. And it was the perfect environment for an autonomous vehicle because we could deploy that and not take away from the other transit services that they had going. It was a new development. This is a new way to do that. And heck, we're having such a, a shortage across the nation anyway with having enough drivers and having these additional positions, the higher uh, skilled jobs that we're training people for with additional compensation, that's exciting to them to step out of the standard transportation job. So it, it fits in. There's a lot of uh, of our public tra- transit agency clients that are looking for new solutions. There's there's another one in the Northwest that's looking at, we've never been able to connect the train with the public transit system. Well, why not have an AV run between the train station and the transit center to get people over to the transit system to feed the rest of it? And, and same thing, in the in, we have a client in the DC area that's been working on a, a program where we're transporting passengers that takes them from a very popular shopping mall that's impossible to get a public transit bus into. And it takes them over to the transit center and the commuting uh, train station. And it just it's a nice fit that supplements the overall transit network. Yeah, because most of these vehicles are like smaller, right? They might fit nine people or something like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I think that to, to me, Katrina, last question is, um, you know, you mentioned, hey, you know, if you get in one of these vehicles, you before you know it, you'll be looking at your phone. And, and, and uh, so but I think that that uh, leads us to the conversation that it's a level of trust, right? People have to get comfortable with this technology before they're, you know, fully able to kind of take their eyes off the road and, and look at their phone or look at the newspaper and enjoy the experience of not having to worry about the drive, right? You're absolutely right. And I think that's, you know, that's a challenge that's before us. And, and really, I think cities like Las Vegas and Phoenix and San Francisco and others, and the ones that WC is talking about, that's exactly what they're doing. And, 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 and I think you see a lot of these pilot projects, but the, you know, a main component of that is to try to build public trust. And honestly, I don't think there's any better way to do it than just invite folks on and experience it for themselves. Um, I had, I had a couple of folks um, from our corporate offices in Phoenix, not that long ago, who, you know, this is what we do, but they had never experienced it themselves. And I, was, I thought I was going to have to push him in the car. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 I'm not fine. You know, <laughs> but, but I did, I did video him on the way out and, and I, he was just so pleasantly surprised, but a lot of people are going to be like that. Like, like they have to, to, to feel it for themselves and experience it for themselves. And, and, you know, I think we're up for that challenge is to really gain the public trust not just not just the passengers, but really uh, the other vehicles on the road, neighborhoods. Um, everybody just wants to to know a little bit more before they're really going to you know jump in. Yeah, well, and like you said, the best way to make that happen probably is for the millions and millions of miles that are traveled every year safely, uh, and providing 
niche solutions to the things like you were talking about, WC, where where it really fits well. Uh, and that's probably what's required over the next period of time before we start seeing it uh, more on a mass level in most cities here across uh, across America and the world. WC Peel, Katrina. Heineken, thank you so much for being our guest today and kind of reintroducing the topic of autonomy uh, into the public mobility sphere on our program, Transit Unplugged. Pleasure to be here, Paul. Thank you. Hi, this is Mike Bismeyer, Regional Sales Director for Proterra, and this is Mike's Minute, where we talk about kindness, leadership, and mentorship with the hopes it'll inspire you to pay it forward. I want to focus a bit on mentorship. And looking back at one of Paul's recent podcasts, Women Who Move Nations, It was very evident that mentorship is alive and well. One only had to listen to the panel of guests to understand both the passion for transit along with the appreciation for what they have learned and shared with one another. Talking about how they have been inspired by each other and how they also count and rely on one another to bounce new, strategic, and critical ideas off. Michelle Batsas specifically stated she enjoys coaching and mentoring her team to make sure they have what is needed to be making a larger contribution. I recently had the honor of participating on a roundtable at the CUTA virtual conference that was providing information on the CUTA Mentorship and Mentee Program plans for 2022. We have a plethora of talent in the industry with so much information to share. Even if you are not in a true mentor-mentee relationship, leading by example, sharing, and being kind to one another leaves a lasting impression on coworkers and specifically new hires that have entered the transit space and are looking to make a long career. It's easy to get excited about the future of transportation when you speak to the new recruits, hear their ideas, their passion, and their eagerness to make a difference. As always, thank you for your contributions to transit, believing in what you do, and your willingness to share. Thanks for listening. Kindness is cool. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged News and Views. I especially want to thank our guests, Katrina Heineking and W.C. Peel, for telling us about autonomous vehicles and everything TransDev is doing in that space. Now, as Paul said, we're going to be at Apta Expo in a few weeks. We're really looking forward to seeing you there. And in the meantime, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, or you'd like to be a guest on Transit Unplugged, you can email us anytime at info at transitunplugged.com. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.